I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Uh, we are very fortunate to be sitting down with Claire, uh, Claire Bidwell-Smith, who is a therapist, renowned grief expert, and the author of a few books that uh, might be very uh, very much of interest to our listeners. Uh, Claire, uh, I mean, that was that, why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners? Give us a little bit of insight into who you are and uh, how you found yourself, I guess, embedded in the, the, the death trade, the world of grief and the world of death, how did you find yourself here? I really laugh every time that I'm introduced because this is like not what I thought I would be when I wanted to <laughs> think about what I was going to be when I grew up. Um, yeah, what did grief- you want to be? What did you want to be when you, when you grew up? <laughs> I wanted to be a writer, which I am, but yeah, I'm also like this grief expert and grief therapist and just mm. work in the whole death, dying, end of life space. Um, I also wanted to be a marine biologist at one point, but there was too yeah, much me like too. math Who and didn't? science. Yeah. <laughs> I saw a meme. I saw a meme yesterday about about and it, it was like, why did every kid want to be a marine biologist? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. I haven't seen that because in the movie Flipper. <laughs> so, yeah, I think it was something to do with dolphins. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> um, well, to take it down a notch, both of my parents got cancer at the same time when I was fourteen, um, oh. right around the time the marine biologist dream died, um, oh, and uh, they both got sick. And I'm an only child. My mom died when I was eighteen, right as I started college, and then my dad died uh, seven years later when I was twenty-five. So I entered into adulthood just full of a ton of like grief, anxiety, depression, um, confusion about like what is life about. And it was this time when all my peers were like post-college and partying and living in apartments and starting new jobs. And I was thinking about really heavy, big stuff all the time. And um, it led me into this work. I, you know, struggled for a long time, just trying to pull myself out of all of that stuff that I was grappling with. But when I did, I decided to go back to grad school and become a therapist. And I worked in hospice initially and then started a private practice and wrote all these books along the way. I'm still writing all Mm. the things. Mm. Yeah. Before we started recording, I was, we were talking about how, you know, we, we've touched on grief a lot throughout the process of doing this podcast over the last six years. Um, Death is a very big part of the conversations that we, we have with people in particular, especially when we're talking to people who are dealing with uh, terminal illness, like cancer or, you know, end stage CF or like whatever, whatever, whatever it might be. Um, and we've, we've covered grief from, from several different kind of perspectives. And, and it's always really interesting to be able to sit down and talk to someone who really has like embedded them, themselves within the, 
the the space of grief and the research surrounding grief. Um, and I know that you have you've written again, like I said earlier, a, a few different books, but um, one of them is is titled "Anxiety: The Missing Stage of Grief." Um, and not so long ago, we had a we had a really interesting conversation with uh, a woman named Julia Samuel who spoke to us about how uh, grief isn't just this thing that we experience when, when someone close to us dies, right? Mm-hmm. Grief can, can come from all different facets of life. Grief is essentially the, you know, the, the process of, of trying to manage or deal with uh, a sudden loss or like a really big change. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, right now, currently, you know, two years into a global pandemic, um, there's a lot of grief happening around all of us all of the time. You know, whether Absolutely. that be the grief of the life that we used to live before this all happened or the grief of relationships that have come to an end as a result of the pandemic or, you know, what, what, whatever it might be. Um, but I, I would love to get your take on your, on this book, uh, Anxiety, The Missing Stage of Grief. And, and what it is that you're like, you're really trying to investigate there about how anxiety and grief kind of go hand in hand. Is that a, is that a pretty like typical, um, uh, part ma- of the grief? Yeah, manifestation of, of grief, like anxiety? Yeah, I believe it is. Um, it doesn't happen for everyone, but I think that there is a majority of people who go through a big loss, whether it's the loss of a person or the loss of a job or an illness, um, and they develop anxiety as a result. Maybe they were anxious to begin with and the anxiety goes up or they'd never experienced anxiety and it comes on as a result of the loss. But, um, you know, I think you're right. In the last two years with the pandemic, I think we've come to recognize grief on a lot of different levels and we've come to understand how it affects all of us, how we can grieve for so many things besides the loss of a person. And that anxiety comes as a result of just the massive change that comes on to our lives, Mm. our understanding of the world, our understanding of ourselves when we go through these kinds of losses. And we all, we all went through that with the pandemic, right? It's not like life is ever certain, but I think that we often live in the illusion that it is. We know, you know, we're planning ahead for this year, the next five years, whatever. And then something like a big loss or the pandemic comes out and sweeps the rug out from underneath our feet. And Suddenly we're sitting in this place of uncertainty. Nothing is what we thought it was. Nothing mm-hmm. looks ahead like we thought it would. And what do we do with that? How do we sit with uncertainty? Um, so that's one of the kind of baselines that I think brings on that anxiety. Mm. Um, but also, you know, just the big existential questions that come with these events as mm-hmm. well. You, know? you can see it like you can see it. You can see it in very in relatively like relative to the loss of, of somebody, I guess, and, 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 and still in the context of this, of the pandemic, just with the rule changes that have, that have happened over the, over the last, you know, number of days as we record this, like mm-hmm. I find myself, I live in an apartment building and I realize that I'm walking out of my apartment building without a mask on. And, and I feel anxiety about seeing somebody in the hallway, not because I, not because I rationally think that that's a, dangerous thing to do, but because I haven't done that mm-hmm. in two years and it, it, it makes me feel a way because it's such a change. Mm-hmm. And, and in the, and in the psychology of, in the psychology of, of feeling like there's some degree of certainty, there is, 
you know, it, for example, from a, from a, from a, um, um, from a, a commercial, uh, standpoint, I run a, I run a yoga studio and I remember last year we, we had a sale and we tried to sell one year memberships in hindsight. This is the dumbest thing that I've, we've ever done. We've ever done from a business standpoint. And, and we, we'd sold zero and zero and, and, and like relative to the past, you know, I mean, this was, and it was just such a lesson in going, nobody can think 12 months out. Like that's just not a reality of our mindset anymore. And, and I think that's a really interesting notion about what sort of things we deal with when that level of uncertainty of not being able to look 12 months out in our life, like what, what comes up as a result of feeling that we can't envision that, that time frame out into mm-hmm. the future. To, exactly. To your point there, Tay, about, about you feeling a sense of anxiety in simply just going out of your, out into the hallway of your apartment building. You know, I hear you say that, and that's coming from, as someone who I've known for quite a while now, it's coming from someone who I've, I've never really known to be someone who gets very anxious about anything at all, right? And mm-hmm. so if you are feeling that, yeah. then it's very likely that there's a fuckload of people all <laughs> around the world that also aren't typically used to these feelings and are now having to manage that and deal with that. And so... Mm-hmm. My question, like um, if, a, if a sociopath like you can feel that way, <laughs> yeah, then, yeah, then yeah, we're really in trouble now. Yeah, then you, then you know that normal people are really <laughs> yeah, yeah, going yeah. through something. Yeah, that, yeah. So, so, so knowing that all the muggles are are struggling, um, uh, Claire, what would you say, like, from a therapist perspective, like, do you, how do you see the next few years playing out in terms of like? Like, is business booming? (laughs) (laughs) What stocks do I suggest? Um, Yeah, I mean, I think it's a great lesson of having to sit with uncertainty. It is like one of our, one of the things that we must get good at as humans if we're going to evolve in our personal journeys and as, you know, a culture and a species. Um, It's a great thing to have to figure out. And there's so many different life events that will thrust us into a place of uncertainty. And it was really interesting that our whole world had to go through it at the same time. Um, But I think it's good for us. You know, loss is about change. Change causes uncertainty. We're never not going to have that happening in our world. So I think, you know, yoga teacher, yoga studio guy over here, you know, um, you know, mindfulness, meditation, those are great life practices, just getting really present. We never know what's happening next, even when we think Mm -hmm. we do, or we think we want to. Um, and so learning how to be present, learning how to just really bring our awareness to right now is always a useful tool. Mm -hmm. Um, I have no idea what the next few years bring. I think, um, I love that we're getting more familiar with grief. We're getting more familiar with anxiety, with uncertainty. I think we've all rearranged our lives and gotten to know new parts of ourselves and our families and our homes. Um, I think there's a lot of really cool growth happening despite a lot of the tragedy that's, that's been occurring as well. favorite one-hit wonder or that overpriced toy your parents would never let you have or that tv show that no one else remembers because it was canceled way too soon now what if we could fix it 
I'm Francesca Ramsey. And I'm Delon Grant. And after 20 years of friendship, we are now hosting a new nostalgia podcast called Let Me Fix It. Each episode, we'll dig into our favorite celebrities, shows, and brands of yesteryear, and then imagine what it would take to repackage them for relevance today. Think of our show as an intervention, but with way less stakes. So subscribe to Let Me Fix It wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Yeah, Claire, yeah. Claire I'm, really, um, I'm really curious to come back to like your personal story about you know dealing with the loss of your your mother and then your father at such a young age um i'm curious how like what your experience with grief was like during those years and sort of how it changed um as you started to go to school and learn more about it in like a formal setting yeah um for sure. I think that, you know, I'm dating myself, but this was over, it was 25 years ago when my mom died. I'm almost 44 now. And 25 years ago, the grief world wasn't what it is now. I think with social media, with a lot more clinical knowledge, more books, podcasts, there's been so much more support and conversation around it. Back then, late nineties, like there weren't really any places for me to turn. And the message basically was like, you'll be fine. You're an adult um, at 18, you know, you're going to be fine. And I wasn't fine. I was very anxious. I was very mm. sad. I could not imagine what my life looked like ahead. My father had been sick, so I knew he wasn't going to live that much longer either. So there's just so much uncertainty and death ahead. Um, I ended up in an ER, you know, with a panic attack shortly after my mm. mom died they didn't ask me anything about like what was going on in my personal life. They asked me questions of like, if I did drugs, cause I was a teenager and they, you know, did EKGs and stuff. And they sent me on my way telling me that I probably just had heart palpitations. And so for a long time, I just thought there was something wrong with me emotionally. And it wasn't until I was in school and started studying psychology and reading about trauma and PTSD that I started to connect the dots. Mm-hmm. Um, there was nowhere in the grief literature that talked about anxiety. And I was like, oh, I think I might be anxious because my parents died, <laughs> which is hilarious now, you know, but I really didn't put it together and no one around me did either. Whoa. And so I've made that, you know, kind of my work to help people understand what they're going through, give them permission to be grieving and to be feeling all the things that they do when they go through it. In that, in that same sort of vein, do you feel like, cause we've had, a, we've actually had a few conversations uh, lately that have, that have dealt with um, childhood trauma, traumatic events happening in, you know, you know, anywhere from like the eight to like 15 year old mm-hmm. time frame, and just how that, how important it is, you know, these people, these people that we've talked to have, have thankfully come to some type of, um, therapy or help that has allowed them to deal with the things that they're, that they're going through and, and recognize that the, the events of the past play a pretty significant role in, in what they're experiencing. But that at the time in the period where it was probably most beneficial to pay attention to that, mm-hmm. they, they, they didn't, they didn't really, because the, because just the, the, you know, societal approach to those events happening just wasn't the, you know, it wasn't the norm for, to immediately think of, you know, you, you should probably yeah. talk to somebody, you should have some help, but it seems like that's changing now. It seems like, like, like you mentioned, that's, that seems like it's changing. Do you think that, you know, that, that there is a bit of like a passing of the guard where, where, you know, the children of today or, you know, may, may, maybe slightly into the future will be getting, the you know the support that's needed when they go through something like the loss of a parent 
in their teens. Um, God, I hope so. And, and I like, mean, what does that look like? <laughs> yeah, I think we're putting a lot more emphasis on emotional intelligence, emotional learning, um, on empathy skills. I think that those things were not happening as much, you know, 20 years ago, 30, 40. Um, and so that's a factor. I think going through adolescent trauma and loss is a really big deal. Um, I mean, the ACEs studies have come out in the last 10 years of looking at childhood adversity. And um, I think that one of the things to be thinking about, though, with childhood and adolescent trauma is that we aren't fully capable developmentally, psychologically, emotionally to process those things. So there is work that has to be done in our 20s and 30s as we come into mature places where we can really understand and process what we went through. At 15, we really can't even like download it all and we mm. can't come up with the correct coping skills. And if we don't get the support that is continued, then we often create maladaptive coping skills, right? Mm. Substance abuse, like toxic relationships, all kinds of stuff. Um, so it's a really, it's a big continuation. It, is it too? It's interesting. I was talking to a friend about this recently and, and, um, you know, like my journey to therapy was like, I, I had heard people say in conversation, no, like therapy is really beneficial. And I kept saying like, oh, if you're struggling, you need, you, like, people should go to therapy. This is really good. But I had never been before. Mm -hmm. And uh, I didn't really see it as something that was, you know, something that would I necessarily needed um, in my life. I, I felt like I had a pretty good set of coping skills and under like a pretty high level of self-awareness. Um, but I thought like, if I'm recommending this, I should probably go and, <laughs> you know, learn a little bit about what it's really like. And Try so, it out. See what you're, <laughs> see what you're yeah. slinging. Yeah. So, so I went and I was like, whoa, like this is <laughs> profoundly life-changing and all of the things. And it, to hear you talk about, you know, we don't have the, the, our brains haven't developed to the point where we're able to, to process events that we go through when we're like 14, 15, 16 years old. Um, even for me who wouldn't have said that I went through, you know, traumatic events as a teenager, there are still little moments here and there that like I carry with me that I didn't properly process during that time that I, I go back and I figure out like, Oh, this, this thing that I was seemingly really insignificant to me actually has affected me in quite a profound way. And, and, you know, it feels like this is the root of like why I sort of behave in, in these ways. Um, so outside of like, you know, going to therapy for to deal or process with specific grief, is there a, a difference between like going through a, a I don't want to say like significantly traumatic a, event, but like like a more obvious experience of grief as a child versus like, you know, <laughs> anybody else's childhood because I feel like we all have moments, <laughs> yeah, moments I mean, of grief. I think you can have gone through like nothing obviously big and still everyone can benefit from therapy. It's so helpful to be able to look at yourself, learn, you know, really healthy mental health coping skills and just learn how to kind of work on, on everything. Um, I, the first time I went to therapy too, I walked in and both of my parents had died at this point. And I was like, I think I just need like a couple of sessions and um, <laughs> you know, like cut to like two years later, you know, um, yeah. we all can benefit from therapy. And I, I think that that is something that's changing too. the stigma around that or any perceived, you know, shame that we need to be going to therapy only if like, there's something really fucked up going on. Like we can always be going to therapy. Yeah. Ooh. And it doesn't, uh, 
like to to me, therapy doesn't have to be about the trauma or the bad mm-hmm. things all the time. It can be about, you know, like I want to go and talk about this thing that made me feel good. And yeah. I want to understand Ooh. like what's at the root of like, why did that make me feel good? And then also in contrast to that, like if that made me feel good, is it making up for something that I'm lacking somewhere else in life? And and how does, you know, what does that mean? You just start to learn these like really yeah. interesting Just having that self-awareness and a place to kind of bounce things off of and understand yourself better. I mean, we're not yeah. making space enough for it anymore at all, especially with, with just technology, we get up in the morning and we're looking at our phone before we are out of bed. You know, we're Mm. not even having time with our own thoughts. We're, we're constantly reacting to stuff we're seeing on a screen Mm. from the second we open our eyes, you know, so creating that space where you are going to therapy and you're reflecting on even just like your week and what was great, Mm. what wasn't is, is really healthy. I I think there's a, a stigma too around, like when I say I didn't have anything obvious in my life, like my parents got divorced when I was 15 and like, that is a big moment yeah, it's of, a big of deal. grief and, and trauma and, and like going back and sort of appreciating the weight that that had and the effect that that's had on my life was, was really important for me. But also, um, like, I think there's a stigma around people thinking that if you go back and give weight to past moments in your life, that that's going to like make you dwell on that or like <clears throat> use that as an excuse or make you feel more broken because you dealt with that. And I just had this argument with my husband. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I was, I was saying something about something negative or something I wished hadn't happened. And he was like, Oh, you just got to be positive about it. And I was like, I realized in our couples therapy that I need to speak to him in business terms because he just, it's just the way his brain works. And so I was like, well, honey, you know, if you were working on a business and the business like had failed in some aspect or wasn't going well, wouldn't you want to look at why and then kind of build on that and how to make it better? And he was like, Huh. Like I really stumped him. It was great. I literally just saw Taylor go, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I guess really that good. does make sense. Yeah, yeah. That does make sense. Yeah, I, you, as soon as you said, I speak to him in business terms, I went, that makes a whole lot of sense. <laughs> um, it's really changed everything. <laughs> I, uh, I would, I would love to, I would love to, to chat about what, you know, Brian brought it up right before the, right before we started recording about the idea of grieving, like the, like a version of yourself that, either isn't isn't where you are anymore or something mm. happens and you realize that you know what what who you are or who you will be is different from what you thought you'd be and and as and as that thought was kind of forming in my head I was thinking about um this isn't something that I've necess- that I've dealt with that I, I understand it I haven't dealt with it that much and I and I attribute that to um I I got into studying yoga like really deeply at a really young age and that sort of really shaped my adult brain into mm-hmm. into prioritizing prioritizing things like contentment um and paying attention to the moment uh and sort of m- moving forward from from where you are um but at the same time I'm about to have a baby like mm. like any like, like perhaps <laughs> perhaps during this recording literally perhaps awesome. right now yeah. and uh and, we will and, help deliver it th- <laughs> thank you everybody's co and all of my all of our recent guests are co are co-parents and um and i've and in that process i'm obviously about to i'm i'm about to go down a a, a different path and yeah. a path that not up until not that long ago i didn't think was a path that i would ever go down so i'm not necessarily you know, grieving that part of me, but I'm, I'm realizing how, if I was set up a little bit differently, I certainly would be going, going down that path. So what is it, what is it, um, like how do, what is sort of the approach to, you know, speaking 
to the idea that we are letting go of a version of ourselves that we that we held so dear. Yeah, I think I think we do that a lot in our lifetimes and sometimes it's more subtle, sometimes it is a really big shift like becoming a parent or um I I interviewed someone recently from my podcast about uh, the loss of a job. Um, my uh, this woman had had a an, a TV anchor job for 20 years and suddenly was let go unexpectedly one day. And the grief that you know she went through for that and kind of moving into this new version of herself where she didn't even know who she was without that job, you know. Mm. So I think sometimes we have to let go of versions of ourselves, whether we're forced to or we choose to for good reasons. Um, and there is grief there. It's not always. Um, sometimes the grief is really heavy and hard in the case of this TV anchor, it was a lot. I mean, there was a couple of years of really grieving that. Um, and then sometimes there's almost an appreciation, you know, like you're about to go through this personal shift and, and you get to really appreciate who you've been mm. and be excited and uncertain about who you're going mm. to be. Um, and that's its own form of grief as well. What, where do you, where do you, um, where do you sit on, on the importance, like the, the pros and the cons of the the idea of me like the ego the, and the identity that we have like like go for the job for example of mm -hmm. you know i am this job that i do and now that job is not there therefore i am not anymore mm. i am not yeah. me anymore like what what are the pros and because there's got i feel like there's got to be you know the ego is yeah. there whether you like it or not sure what is yeah what what kind of weight does the ego have in terms of pros and cons? I think it's important to do that. You know, I think I thought about that a lot at the start of the pandemic, because I think we all had everything stripped away. You know, we all went from, I remember everyone I know and myself, we were always like, oh, I'm so busy. How are you? I'm so busy. And then suddenly like nobody was busy <laughs> and, <laughs> and none of us had any of our stuff to like, oh, I'm so busy because I'm doing this and with the kids at school, or I've got this job or I'm doing this thing. And it was all kind of taken away. And so who were we suddenly? Mm -hmm. um, what, what did make up who, who we are, who we get to talk about, um, as who we are. And someone recently posed the question to me, like, Claire, who are you without all the grief and death? Who are you without this, like these books and all this stuff that you do? And I, I had to really think about it for a while because I wasn't sure, but I think when you do start peeling those things away, you get into a more spiritual question and a more spiritual dimension of like, you know, who are we without all these ego constructs of, of you know, how we present ourselves to the world. Mm. And I think there's some really great work to do there of like, how do we tap into that, that sense of self that doesn't belong to all these labels and accomplishments. Yeah. How yeah. do you do that work though? Because like you, even <laughs> you just saying that right there, I just for like a brief second in my mind, I went, well, who am I? Who am I if I don't have this podcast? Who am I if I don't, if I'm not, you know, X, Y, Z? And I got really sad for a second. I was like, oh, I, fuck, I'm, I'm nobody. Like, I, like, like so, so like, how do you yeah, do, like, how do you, you do that You got to keep work? going further than that. Like have that sadness, have that mm. grief for those things and then sit and like feel. Um, I really think like going into meditation in those spaces is helpful. And I know meditation, everyone's like, oh my God, meditation. And I just think that meditation is so fascinating even when, and especially when it's hard, because mm. when we're sitting in meditation and all those thoughts are, are popping in and we're trying to step away from them, like that's interesting in and of itself, because most of the time we spend all day just letting all the mm. thoughts go and reacting to the things on the screens or whatever's in front of us. 
who are we in those moments in between? What do you feel like? And Mm -hmm. is it scary? That's okay that it's scary. You Mm -hmm. know, sitting with that, learning how to sit with that is, is what's going to see you through those other really big uncertain moments. I had, I had a massive light bulb moment when, when you, when you said that, because I feel like for me, that's what I feel during therapy. Like when I'm in Mm -hmm. therapy, I have these like moments of like, like just such raw emotion where I'll just like, burst I'll just be staring and I'm doing therapy remotely right now and like I'll just be staring at my therapist on the screen and just like explode into tears and like Mm. be feeling like all of these emotions of like these emotions that I feel like are the purest form of me and I feel like I in those moments I feel what's important and I think that that's why it's been like guys like that's why I talk about it so much is because it like it feels like it's like that hour of my month that Mm -hmm. I'm like I get it. And that's I awesome. And yeah. when we're not making space for that, when we're not tapping into that, that's when we tear, that's when we turn to like work addictions, screen addictions, substance abuse, you know, like we, we you know, we don't know how to find that space enough. So mm. just giving yourself that automatically is such a gift. And it can be very like, it can be very, I think, I think for a lot of people subconsciously terrifying to, to be in that space, mm-hmm. which is why we filled the space with the phone and everything. Like mm-hmm. when we, when we, um, when I'm, I, when I'm teaching the, the, the philosophy aspect of our teacher training course, our yoga teacher training course, we, we we're, we sort of, we talk a lot about trying to recognize the, the voice of the ego and, uh, and, and stripping it away when it's really not and trying to recognize when it's not serving you very mm-hmm. well um, and what sort of like negative aspects it brings to you, it brings to your life. And, and we talk a lot about the labels that we put on ourselves and going, well, you know, here, let me draw my name and circle it and then attach all these things that I say are me to those things. And now if you go back in time, like, can you recognize when did that line to that new thing get drawn? And, mm. and how is and how could that possibly be who you are when you existed before that thing? And so all, all you, who you are, existed before all of that got put onto you. Those are just layers on top. And I think like when you say that, Jer, when you, when you stop and think about that for a second, like re- just thinking about it, like being in a meditation on it, contemplation on the things that you attach to who you are, you in, in quotations, mm-hmm. then you know, you really start to, to recognize that, you know, like what, like what is the sensation and the feeling that you've, that you have when you, you know, sit on a cliff looking at a sunset or a sunrise. And, you know, there's, there's probably an authenticity to your truest, the truest version of yourself that, that, that shines through for a moment. And then you notice that you're in it and then you leave it. And then yeah. you go, ah, oh, man, that was great. I want that again. That, that was really beautiful, Taylor. But the easiest time to find it during the day is when you're taking a shit. Like, yeah, like yeah. honestly, because like Bathroom that's your contemplation. time. Yeah, right? yeah. Like, dudes, bunch of dudes talking about taking a dump. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How long? It took us 29 minutes. That's a record. That's a fucking record today. Yeah. I, but, you know, it's it, I, like it, it is interesting to, to, to be talking about this right now because I, I feel like I feel like personally in my life right now, like I've just gone through, I j- I've just gone through a really major shift in this, this m- mode of thinking of like, oh, well, who the fuck am I now with, yeah. with having, so Claire, just to, just to give you some context, I live with cystic fibrosis and 
my entire life, I have been living with this notion that like, okay, I'm not going to live past 30. That's, mm. that's very unlikely for me. I'm 34 now. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I've, 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 I'm in my bonus time. And, and, but even after that, it was like, all right, well, you know, like 36, maybe that'd be kind of cool. 40, I doubt it, but that would be awesome. Well, now, now I have this drug that, that just came out that is like a, a complete fucking game changer for anybody wow. who, who's, who, who, who can take this that has CF. It's called Trikafta. And now I'm like, oh, 80, maybe like, I have fucking, like a hundred. That must right. be a trip though. It, but it, and like that's switch your mindset. Yes. And that's the thing that I'm going through right now of going, well, my whole life, I thought I was the guy that was going to die early. Yeah. I've lived my life like I was going to die tomorrow. And, and I have like fully embraced that idea. And now that's kind of taken away from me. And so I'm like, well, who am I now? What do mm-hmm. I do now? And now I have to live that long. I like, I've got to grow old. Yeah. Fuck <laughs> this. Like, you, you know, like I, got, always... I didn't plan for retirement. What am I doing? You know? And so like, there's this whole sort of, I guess like reverse existential crisis of like, yeah. what would that be? What's the inverse of existential? <laughs> like, like, like a, just life affirming crisis where I'm going, Christ almighty, I'm, I'm actually going to fucking live now. It's, it's a real. That's amazing. But, you know, the people I know who have really faced death in, in one way or another, you know, the way that you have, or going through a really big loss and really knowing that it can happen at any time. I feel like those are the people who embrace life the most, you know? And so don't stop doing that you know yeah, like yeah. you should still live like there might not be a tomorrow <laughs> yeah how much of a shame would that be if i just was like no oh, i guess i'm gonna be boring as shit right now. <laughs> that's what i was gonna say like you've you've been like like edgy and like yeah. i'm gonna die so i don't really give a fuck now yeah. you're just gonna turn into now like i'm just a, gonna get real bland and <laughs> vanilla jerry's gonna, jerry's gonna get all his tattoos removed <laughs> you just go, what are what are these yeah. Yeah, what a dumb idea that was yeah your aura was so bright in color now it's beige <laughs> it's just gray <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it, it is, it's a very, it's a very, again, you know, coming back to that, that idea of grieving, the grieving what you, th- the person that you thought you were, that were grieving the yeah. thing that you thought made you, you, mm-hmm. um, and, and going through that in a time like this, like right now, you know, with, with COVID and everything, it's, it's a, it's a real, I, I get it. I get why, I get why grief is, is so much greater than just loss and how it can be really um it can be really filled with a lot of very confusing and conflicting emotions and and sensations and uh it's man it's 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 quite hard on the on the nervous system you know i think it asks a lot of us you know i think Mm. grief asks a lot of us it asks us to really look at like what's important to us who are we what have we what has led up to now what do we want going forward what the fuck is life about like why do some people get to be here for a certain period of time and others not why do some people get born into you know really tough situations and others are paris hilton you know like Mm. why why Mm. why is life what it is and i think that those are great questions and great things to think about they're hard they're not easy to answer um maybe unanswerable in some in some ways but but i think that asking those are you know are always beneficial to to self-development and awareness Mm. um claire you 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 mentioned earlier you have a podcast um it's uh, it's kind of a recent podcast right you Mm -hmm. you guys just started you launched in september of last year um and uh tell us about the podcast it's called new day 
called New Day and um, just really looking at like, I'm talking to all different kinds of people all the time about how do we go through really hard shit and learn from it, grow from it, grieve, come out the other side, better people. Um, But I like to really dig into you know, something really difficult, whether it's the loss of a job or, you know, I talked to a physician recently who lost three limbs in an accident and, you know, Mm. went on to become a doctor still. And how do you go through something really difficult and, and come through and what have you learned and what can you impart to others about that and those journeys? And I'm always bringing a lot of grief and death into it because, you know, um, why not? I do. But hopefully in a fun way. Yeah. It's been really fun. A question that we get asked a lot, like talking to people who you know, are dealing with really challenging, mo- like these really challenging moments in their lives, people, people often would say like, it must be heavy having those mm. types of conversations. Um, I feel like that would be a question that you would get asked a lot. <laughs> Is that something that people yeah. ask you a lot? Yeah, definitely. It's kind of like a conversation stopper sometimes or, or like, or then people just start telling me all about their grief and death. Um, but you know, it's not, it's like what we're talking about. I think that it's, you know, when you really dive into grief and death, what, what is it about? It's about life. You know, if we were here forever, how boring would that be? Like what would, there wouldn't be any consequences, any weight to anything. The fact that we're not going to be here forever, that we don't know how long we get gives a lot of like, you know, importance to our days and our lives. I see so much beauty. All I hear about are relationships and love and, you know, how people's lives are impacted, um, by, by losses that they go through. And it's definitely hard and sad sometimes, but life is like that, you know, we don't get one without the other. So Mm -hmm. I I find it like incredibly beautiful most of the time. And like, and, and giving like a lot of, um, like you learn so much from having those conversations. You know, I've, yeah. I've, um, I've, uh, you know, I've mentioned yoga a couple of times now and I've learned a lot through that and like really You've mentioned it a lot. Contemplation, like actually thinking, time. thinking about it myself, but probably, but more so more from sitting down and talking to people and especially in, in the context of when, when you know there's 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 it's great to have this like theoretical framework uh that you've that you've sort of stumbled upon yourself in some way but but when you go out and you hear the experiences of others of other people and the way that especially all so many so many stories of adversity that we have heard where there's a success, maybe not a, an actual success of, you know, beating a disease or, mm-hmm. or something like that, but a six, like a, a mental or mindset success of, mm-hmm. of coming through the thing that you think will destroy you, but coming out stronger on the other side of that, um, mentally. Yeah. And, and then, and then having, seeing that and having those as little roadmaps, little pieces of the roadmap for how you are going to then deal with the things that you will inevitably deal with. Because even if you haven't now, you likely will at some point, the loss of somebody, loss of a job, whatever the case may be, a diagnosis Mm -hmm. of something, um, you know, you'll face that. And we, yeah, like you said, Brian, it's oftentimes that people think that it's very heavy to have those conversations and to to do that all the time, but it's really the exact Mm -hmm opposite claire for for you does does grief get any easier (laughs) (laughs) um i think it 
It doesn't get any easier. I've gone through a lot of losses at this point. I've lost some friends. You know, I lost a cat a couple of years ago. Could not fucking believe how much mm. I grieved that cat. Yeah. Um, and it's not that it gets easier, but I, I understand how to move through it in a different way. So I know how to support myself through it. I'm not surprised um, by the different emotions I feel or the reactions I have to it. Um, so I, I think in that sense, no, it doesn't necessarily get easier, but I, I think that we can really learn how to ride it and learn how to grow mm. from it. More, mm. would you Greg say Lamond, more? Uh, Greg Lamond, who won the Tour de France three times, said uh, famous famously said, uh, "Cycling never gets easier; you just go faster." <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, did, like, did, would you say that it gets more familiar? Yeah, I think it does. It really doesn't get, I mean, there's the depth of it is always still there, but mm. it's, um, I think it, again, it's such an important part of our lives and it shouldn't be skipped out on, you know? Mm. Um, I don't want to diminish anyone who's in, who's in a lot of deep pain and grief right now, but there is a lot of kind of beauty and transformation that comes along with it. It's hard to see in the beginning for sure. Uh, but you know, I think, I think, it's, it's an opportunity to really be as human as we can possibly be and have mm. this experience in this world. Mm-hmm. Claire, uh, this is, this has been a real delight to, Thank to you. get time out of your busy schedule to sit down and chat with us. It's been really fun. Um, please let us know, um, how our listeners can follow along with the work that you do. Yeah. Thank you. This has been really fun for me too. Um, you can find me at clairebidwellsmith.com. All the things I'm on all the social media, um, Claire Bidwell Smith, all the books are on the, the Amazon, you know, <laughs> mm. and, and yeah. there were, I mean, there was one book that I really wanted to talk about in this conversation, but we never got I'll around to, to come it, back. But yeah. Maybe next time it's called after this, when life is over, where do we go? And that is just, I mean, yeah, I, I, I cannot wait to get my hands on the book. We should do a whole other yeah, conversation for another day. Um, it was super fun. Claire, thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, again, on behalf of all of our listeners, it's been really great. Thank you guys. So great. That is it for this week's edition of Routine Checkup. Thank you so much for tuning in, folks. It means the world to us. And if you'd like to continue listening to the podcast, you can do that right here on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. And of course, if you want to support the podcast further, you can leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, or you can simply rate the podcast on your Spotify mobile app. And uh, even better than that, why don't you tell someone that you know, tell someone that you love, tell someone that you don't know, that you listen to Sick Boy Podcast and recommend it to them because we always love those extra ears. The podcast is produced and hosted by myself, Jeremy Saunders, Brian Stever, and Taylor McGilvery. The podcast is managed by Jeffrey Lonis at Talent Bureau. The theme music for today's episode comes from Rich O'Coin. Thanks again, folks. Hope you enjoyed it, and we'll be back next week. That's it for now. My name is Jeremy, and this is Sick Boy. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.